Welcome to Moving On. Here you will get expert information, tips, and most importantly, the tools to moving on to a healthy, happy, and thriving life that you want to be living. Letting go of whatever is holding you back, whether you are in an unhealthy relationship or learning how to be in a healthy one, or maybe you are in a job that you've been dying to move on from, Learn to let go of what's holding you back and become the thriving, healthy, and happy person that is inside you. Welcome to Moving On. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Moving On, Woo-hoo! right? Where we talk to people who are basically, I would say, um, in that paradigm of having moved on in some capacity in their life and have become an expert or a coach or something which has guided them to where they are right now. And for most of the people I talk to, it's never where they started or thought that they were going to go. And so I think that's what makes it interesting when you look at moving on. So today I have with me Lori Gerber. All right. I do. (laughs) I'm really happy to have her here. We were having a really kind of fun conversation to begin with. So I think this is going to be a treat. Um, Let me tell you guys a little bit about Lori. So Lori Gerber is one of the most engaging and effective life coaches and presenters in the country. She's out to change the world and she has a passion for coaching people who share that mission. Between podcasts, TEDx, IGTV, events and workshops with Zeusk, JDate, General Assembly, Ladies Get Paid and more, Lori impacts thousands of humans each month. In her captivating presentations, Lori helps participants learn to human better by teaching practical tools on how to dream, bust excuses, action plan for their future, build personal integrity, and of course, the art of honesty. Yes, a smock is required. I'm going to have to ask about that. Uh, Because I'm like, oh, okay. Um, She brings her vivacity, noun-termed verbs. I like that too. I make up my own words all. (laughs) the time um and evolving wisdom home to her delicious family her husband of 22 years will craig and three kids ages 18 16 and five in new york city yay thanks for joining me Lori. great to be here tracy thanks for having me absolutely so in your life i'm gonna guess as a child growing up you didn't say gee i want to be a life coach right no in fact i have literally never said that <laughs> Not even as a grown up. Okay. So what were you saying as a kid? What were you thinking as a kid? You know, what were some of the things going on in your childhood that kind of set the tone? Interestingly, one thing I was saying in my childhood is I wish I could figure out how to be happy. And I wish I could resolve my daddy issues. And I just want to make the world a better place. Those were things I was saying in my childhood that were through lines um, yeah, towards my career path. I was going to say that makes me think that maybe as a kid, you were like a little adult in a sense. I was mature in the sense that I, I don't even know if it's mature. I think it really is that I was just fascinated by human interactions and the human experience. So some people love science. Some people love technology. Some people love video games. Some people love dance. Some people love a lot. Like I just was fascinated by how do humans work? Like, how does this Mm-hmm. work? How do I work? Why do I feel this way? Why do I think that? Why does that happen to me? Why does that happen to her? And so just from a young age, that was, and it makes sense given my lineage and my personality and all that, but that just was my fascination always. Okay, and I so- didn't know what to do with it. I really didn't, Tracy. I was like, 
um, my independent thinking and my desire to play the game of life made me want to be an entrepreneur, but my love of learning made me want to be a teacher. So I trained as a teacher because I was like, what else are you going to do where you can help people and get a job? But he wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to be a teacher. It was just like, well, that I guess matches, you know, and then I started a business doing educational consulting and tutoring and matching clients and tutors. So I was like, okay, now I'm like having fun playing the business game, helping people, but am I really helping people? I didn't really, I didn't feel that I was right. I wasn't, I was helping kids get, get good, good grades. I was helping kids ACE life cycle events or, or, or academic achievements. And that, and, and mostly I was actually helping parents get perspective. And that's what had me go, there's gotta be more I can do here because the suffering is not because they're failing French. The suffering is not because of algebra. Like this is, we got bigger fish to fry. I think that's awesome. And of course, I want to go back a little to a couple of things you just said, though. You were saying, um, you know, when I was saying about being a little adult, because it made me think how many kids are really aware that they have daddy issues. Most aren't. <laughs> they just know that I'm not pleasing daddy or daddy doesn't seem to give me what I want or I want more from daddy or, you know, there's something missing. Right. Um, right. And to have that sort of picture, that's why it makes me think, gosh, you know, that's great that you were able to know that. And then the other thing that um, you were saying is your lineage. So I want to know what you meant by both of those. Well, my mother was, is, and was a seeker of spiritual enlightenment and, you know, self-knowledge. And my father's a studier, right? He's a, he's, he likes to learn. He likes to um, engage in that. So put that together and you do get a kid that's you know, starts and she took me to Tai Chi and yoga when I was like 11 and 12. So I understood that there was something beyond just my own ego and my own wants and desires at a very young age. So between what she gave me and what I got, I think genetically and epigenetically, it made sense that I leaned the way that I did. And then how did I know I had daddy issues? I mean, it's <laughs> a good question. I did. I think it wasn't that much more <laughs> It wasn't that much more complex than how you put it. Like, I'm not getting what I want. This doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel right. There must be something I can do. But I think like most people, it was blame mm -hmm. or self-blame. It wasn't, right. I didn't have a very good framework until much, much later in my seeking journey for tools to actually heal that relationship and, and, and make it the way that I wanted it. Right. So what would you say, you know, I know you said you went into teaching and then you started your own business and then you're really noticing, okay, this is more of a parent issue. This is more about how things are happening rather than it being about the subject kid is having problems with, right? Right. And I had no basis on which to coach the parents. I, you know, I was just a new parent myself at the time. Didn't know what the heck I was doing, certainly. Um, and I just, I saw suffering. I saw the kids suffering to figure out who they were and express who they were. I saw the parents suffering because they were living through their children and not feeling um, rewarded by that really. And they weren't succeeding and getting their children to do what they wanted. Right. And so I just saw, you know, for myself as a parent, because that's the stage I was at in life when I discovered this and for them that there were just tools that we were just treating symptoms, like to treat the failure in school or to treat the, um, you know, whatever else just wasn't getting to the heart of the matter of humans, not connecting with what they most cared about and getting on with it. 
already. Now I wasn't doing it for myself. So it wasn't like I could teach it. It's just that I started to see the issue. That's what I'm curious about. It's like, so what were you doing with yourself? Because you said you were always seeking. So I'm sure that some of that must've played into what you were doing. It's such, it's a really good question. I, I think I really use spiritual practice and therapy and courses and books and all the things that I did almost like I used food in a sense, like it gave me a temporary bomb, right? It gave me a temporary relief from my own anxiety, fear, pain, sadness, unresolved feelings. And I see that today still when I teach, you know, that there are people who will binge self-help the same way that we could binge food, alcohol, you know, social media, whatever it is. So I think that's how I used it. I I used food that way. I used sugar that way. And I used self-help that way. So it appeared to be helping. I also appeared to be progressing and accomplishing things like having two kids at the time and a husband and an apartment that I could pay for and a business that afforded all that and a body that, you know, if you looked at my family looked normal, even though it was falling apart and totally really, really, really so many ailments I couldn't explain or cure. Um, so what, I forgot what the question was, you know, about, uh, the seeking on your own journey because of what you were doing yeah. a living. Right. So I, yeah, that was how I used it. And then it really wasn't till, and I really kept focusing on career. Like if I can just do better in my career and check more boxes, I'll be happy. Right. And I even hired my coach thinking that's what was going to be her job. And right. the crazy thing she did at Handel, where I had not, not experienced it anywhere else in no other therapy, coaching courses, books, or methods. I had to look at all areas of my life, all 12. And that's when I had the first, you know, Helen Keller moment of like, Oh, <laughs> no wonder I'm not happy. I'm ignoring 11 out of 12 areas. And I'm completely overcompensating in this one area, uh, actually to avoid the other 11, actually. Do. That's what you mean. If I'm being honest, right? Yeah. And I never saw that because no one ever, someone was happy to take my money teaching me how to invest better or how to break through my money or how to be better in my sales career or how to, you know, even how to exercise, right? People were happy to take my money for discrete purposes, that for me all ended up being a distraction from the overall assessment mm-hmm. and facing, oh crap, I'm tanking my marriage. My body is not healthy. No matter how much I want to say vegetarianism is healthy, if you were eating sugar and carbs at every meal and snack, that is not healthy, Lori. I don't care if it's organic, right? Like it's no. Right. And not parenting in the way I wanted to parent and not treating myself with self-respect. And that's just the top four areas I had that were like, oh crap. And I had to quantify it too. I couldn't just describe it. I had to go scale of one to 10. If this is your 10, what, what are you? It was like four, three. Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess I'm in coaching for some different reason, not to help me be better in my business. I think that happens though. I know years ago when I was looking at business coaching, it was so hilarious is that it would end up where I wanted personal coaching. Cause I would, it would just start to unravel 
you know, like, hey, great. Um, I am talking about how do I get more clients? And well, you know what? I really have this relationship issue. And I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing here? So I totally get that. And I also get yeah. the whole thing with like being a self-help junkie, because I think most people, by the way, that are listening, uh, definitely can resonate with that because that's something I often do talk about. It's filling it cognitively, keeping you going, and you're never really getting any deeper or changing anything. Um, you know, somebody asks you a question, it's like you went to school and you learned, oh, hey, I can just recite this to you. So for you, I'm assuming there had to be wake up moments in this where something woke you up to tell you, hey, you know what, not just because you have a coach, but things going on in your life that were really confronting yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was interesting, by the way, my coach said to me, you can't even work on your career. You're, you're not even present. Like you, you can't even dream. You wouldn't know your dream if it hit you over the head because you're completely anesthetized, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I couldn't argue with that because right? I knew it was true. And I, I explained why I couldn't come up with a dream for my career other than like make more money, which didn't inspire me at all. Right. Right. Um, so there were a couple of, I think there were a couple of pivotal moments. One was really that having to do that rating mm -hmm. and really like, cause they made it black and white. It was like, they explained the scale and they explained how do you, you know, how you envision it. This is module one in our digital course, right? How yeah. do you describe a 10, which is a feeling exercise where you're like oh, intimacy with my husband and connected conversations and a dancer's body and I'm floating through the air and I can lift up my kids and throw them in the air. And, you know, I'm dreaming and feeling the feelings of a 10 mm -hmm. and then, okay, now juxtapose that to where you are now three. I don't ever want to get out of bed. I'm exhausted all the time. My face is broken out. My stomach hurts all the time. I'm congested all the time. I'm no fun with my children. If I can make it through the day, I'm happy. I'm squabbling with my husband constantly. My, my job is fine, but I'm not inspired. That's my current reality. So that was huge. Wake up. And then I think, honestly, I don't even think I would have dealt with my marriage if my husband didn't at some point go, I'm not going to stay married to you because this is, this is not working. I was so in denial, so not dealing. But when he said that I, I it did. And then he started, oh, he started flirting with my assistant. That was the other thing. And I was, oh, it never occurred to me. He could leave. I completely took it for granted um, and felt entitled to just behave terribly forever. Mm -hmm. You know, I spit out two kids. I looked decent. I made money. Like I thought that was my entire responsibility. So that was a big wake up call too. I could see where that would be. <laughs> it, it, I'm sad to say it took that. I really am. I try to tell people sometimes, you know, if only the natural consequences of our decisions affected us, like if only we noticed how crappy we, we feel. Yeah, we don't. And, and the problem is you can't kick your own ass for it either, because a lot of it we're unconscious to. We're unconscious to how limited our reality is in terms of what we think is possible and what we're doing. We think, like you said, hey, I'm doing all the right things. Isn't that cool? Isn't that enough? And then totally. you find out, oh my God, there's like a whole missing aspect to exactly. how I'm living my life. Exactly. So, so you were filling yourself, it sounds like with everything, but intimacy 
and being close uh, to your husband, probably in other ways as well. And I'm not just talking physical intimacy, but emotional um, and your life too. It just sounds like you had kind of a caricature going on. Right. Going through the motions would be a good way to right, get up, feed the kids, get dressed, go to work, do your job, come home, eat dinner, take care of the kids, argue with your husband, watch TV, go, go to bed. And then five, you know, three to five meals of sugar throughout, right? For my comfort, for my, what I deserve in return for all that hard work. That makes sense. And so of course that brings up a couple things too. It's like, so how did you go about changing things? And also what was the deal with sugar and what is your deal with sugar now? I'm assuming you probably don't eat sugar at this point. Well, it's had many phases since then. This was 16 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I was very, I was much more overweight than I am now. You can look at my Instagram and see kind of like proof because people don't believe it. Sometimes they really assume I've always been like this, which, you know, I kind of feel like I've always been like this, but I haven't, (laughs) but it has been 16 years of, um, maintenance of the easy maintenance of, of this healthier lifestyle. Um, so I think the first wake up call really was Handel group doesn't want to coach you unless you want to really do the work. So that was one thing where I was like, oh, this is the real thing. I realized that very early from that first assignment and from the attitude of my coach and from the results my coach had, because my coach had the results. She had what I wanted. She had a healthy body. She was buoyant, literally buoyant. It was annoying. She was having sex with her husband, having fun, building a business, saw no conflict between parenting and building a business. And so I had no issue with ex- like she had none of my crap and she had been in the same personal growth I had been in. So I was like, I missed a session. I was in the bathroom when they brought it together. <laughs> so I was like really ready to go, whatever you did or whatever you suggest, I'm going to freaking listen because what I've been doing for the last 20 years is not working. I I realized my thinking was wrong. I realized my actions were wrong and I was ready to surrender. I don't recommend trying the handout group until you are because otherwise we're really annoying. (laughs) I think that's really with anything you're going to commit to in terms of change. You know, it's like you have to, you know, we get that too, where a lot of people will show up and they'll say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. But we don't actually ever push people into working with us because it's like, no, you really have to be ready to commit to yourself. And I think it's hard for people, and I'm sure you can, excuse me, attest to it, where it's a lack of value that has you not committing in the first place. And so to get to that place of valuing yourself enough and going, okay, yes, I want what she has, but I have to value myself to enough of a degree to believe, believe that I can get there because I got to do the work. She's not going to do the work for me. So there had to be something inside of you that said, yeah, you know what? I've got enough value. I I can do this. Yeah. Well, I I will say seeing the example was very helpful to me because I had convinced myself it wasn't really possible. And I had only been looking at examples that confirmed my theory that it wasn't possible. So having that example, like pierce through my reality was helpful. Um, But we, we took a three-pronged approach, right? We took the approach of what's your dream? Like, what do you really care about? And it turned out I really cared about how I felt mm-hmm. in my body that I, that I, I had to actually, it was a very interesting moment. Do you know the story of Helen Keller? I think we're I know like, the story of, I mean, I read it years ago. So remember she, you know, she feels she, everything happens yes. when she discovers water. So it was mm-hmm. a little like that because I didn't have a dream for my body. I was just surviving. 
So, so my coach asked me, what's the dream? And I really had to go looking like my heart was off the radar. It was not uh, being, uh, what's the word consulted. (laughs) I'll just eat. Thank you. I'm good from, I'm just going to live from here up. I think I decided that around 13, like, I'm just gonna live from here up. This is not serving me. So, um, so I remembered something I had imagined when I was 11 or 12 about living this in this body that was open and graceful and dancerly and elegant and eating things from nature. Right. And, um, (laughs) and by the way, remember I said, I was like, so into my vegetarian, you know, my vegetarian meals would be like fruit with, you know, like um, I would eat like apple brown Betty for breakfast and I'd be like, it's fruit, but it was actually dessert. Right. Right. And then I would eat candy throughout the day. And I would eat pasta and cheese, both of which I'm allergic to. And like for a really healthy meal, I'd have like lentils and jello. Okay. Just to give you this jello, like healthy. It's like, it's, it's, it's the flavor of a fruit, right? Like my, my, my way of thinking was fascinatingly loop, loop Okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I, I had that memory And that sparked something, right? That sparked an innate desire, like a God-given desire to feel a certain way, which then had me start to get curious. Okay, what would I, what would I have to eat to feel that way and look that way? And what would I have to, how would I have to move my body? And so I started to get curious about that. So the first thing I did was connect to my heart, then the next, and then she would argue with me. So I had all of these things like, it won't taste good without sugar. I won't have fun without sugar. I won't feel good. Like I won't be able to participate without them. And she just would, you know, shoot, shoot all my, shoot all my thoughts down. Like that's not true. Right. And because she was living that way and having a ball with her healthy food, I couldn't really argue with what she said. So then I, I put myself on a plan, pretty simple plan at the time. It was fruits, vegetables, proteins, and whole grains. Um, and then I would get one protein bar a day. And that was like my, sh- my sugar substitute. Cause I was really weaning. And if I didn't stick to my plan, I would lose my protein bar the next day. And I wasn't wow. about to lose my protein bar. Cause that was my, I would literally, it was like a chocolate pure protein bar. I'd cut it up and put a little almond on each piece and pretend it was a box of chocolate. <laughs> Mind games. Well, right? that's creative. No, I think that's great. It's creative. Whatever. It got me through. It got me through. Cause you know, the right. physical addiction releases pretty quickly if you can get through. So I convinced myself I could do it. I started seeing results immediately. I felt so much better. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to go back from because, and I did go back like over the last 16 years, I've had many times in my life where I have messed around with quantity and I've messed around with sugar on the weekends. So mm-hmm. it's not that I am strictly against sugar, mm-hmm. though currently I'm on a strict candida diet, no sugar at all, not even fruit. And got to say, it feels pretty great. And I also love that I can, right? Like that I can do that. I don't need food. I don't need to use food. And I can always find something fun to eat. That's really good for me. So, and that's a total change in, in, you know, total mindset change. So again, many different iterations, but I never went back to carbs and sugar at every meal. I never went back to refined carbs because I didn't need to, I found the substitutes that were made me feel better and tasted great. Yeah. And because of all the amazing benefits. Right. Well, that makes sense. And I mean, everything that humans do comes from 
motivation, whether it's intrinsic or extrinsic. And so, you know, I believe when it comes to change, you really have to be in a place of going, okay, it's going to be intrinsic. It's going to be meaningful to me. It's not about the outside world. It's not about anything here. It has to be about me. And I think that that's always the key to lasting change. Um, And so how, you know, to, to really get into the now, so besides your diet, you know, how have things changed for you and how has that prompted you to be in the position you're at now, you know, where you're speaking and you're coaching and you're doing all these things? Well, I think the second major thing happened when the second major turning point was with the relationship. Cause remember my coach was like career, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> like you need to deal right. with your life lady. Cause you are not present. So we dealt with the sugar. As soon as we took the sugar away, guess who wanted a hug <laughs> you. or sex, you know, or anything right. like, cause right. I had been like, you know, Close for business, close for business in terms of emotional and physical intimacy, got all my pleasure from a little cuddling with the kids and food and thought that was fine. Like thought that was normal and it it is normal. And my husband probably would have even tolerated it for a little while longer. And if it hadn't been for my assistant being around and being wanting to actually connect with him and listen to him and have fun and, and showing some cleavage, I, I really don't know if I, if he or I would have actually woken up to how much was missing in our marriage. So, so again, the dream was a 10 long mm-hmm. intimate conversations, deep connection. The reality was a three, four. Right. And suddenly I'm telling her all my reasons. Well, he's like, he doesn't like to talk. I tried. He's, he's a jock. He's into sports. He's not that kind. He's not touchy feely, blah, 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 blah. Right. 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 And she's like, mm. It's not, no, it's like not, that's not, that's not, um, passing my bullshitometer test. You know, I, I don't think you really know why you don't have the drink. So we, we go to module nine, we skip, we skip a few modules to module nine and we design this conversation that I'm going to have. This is one of the things we do a lot with people. We design real life conversations. No therapist had ever made me have a real life conversation, Tracy. <laughs> This is like session two. All right, Lori, you're going to have a real life conversation. You're going to sit down with your husband. You're going to read this dream and let yourself get moved when you do. And then you're going to ask them why we don't have it. And you're going to come back with an answer. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm different. It's a different approach. I mean, I don't get to just think about it and complain to my friends. Okay. Um, so, and I had written this beautiful dream. So I sit down with him a couple of days later, he very graciously, you know, I asked permission and everything. I set it up well, and he very graciously listens. And, um, when I say the part about, you know, why do you think we don't have this connection and intimacy? He's like, we're fine. Don't worry about it. It's good enough. And I'm like, I can't go back to my coach and say, I got no answer, right? Right? Like I really need to actually cause a shift here. Right. So I just muster up like all of my vulnerability and I'm like, honey, I just, I'm, thank you for saying that, but I really want to know. And I promise I won't get mad. And I promise I'll listen to whatever you say. And I care about what you think. And I, Mm -hmm. I just, I'm just going to ask you again, if you could just tell me anything that, that comes to mind. Okay. And he takes a deep breath and I'm taking a deep breath. And my heart is like, 
And he goes, okay, here's the deal. My experience when I talk to you, Lori, is that um, I usually get maybe only about three sentences in before you interrupt me. And um, I know you get away with that with your girlfriends and you don't mean any harm, but for me, that's like a physical assault. I do not get my train of thought back easily. And what you're interrupting about, by the way, hardly ever to do with even the subject I'm talking about, it's usually diverted to your anxiety or some other topic telling me that you're really not interested in listening. So I stopped trying to talk to you years ago. That's pretty telling. Okay. You know, that was one of the like life flashes before your eyes moment. Right. Where you're like, oh, I didn't, that's not what I wrote in my homework. <laughs> right. Right. Wait a minute. I, yeah. right. I told my coach you were into sports. <laughs> that's I'm not right. the reason. Yeah. So, um, and then I did have like that come to Jesus moment where I'm like, oh, I think my brother did mention he felt I was selfish. And I have gotten that feedback in work before that, like the world revolves around me. And again, like with my coach, I couldn't, like, I really couldn't argue with what he was saying. And I was confronted by, like, I said, love, honor, and cherish in front of all of our friends. And I literally had never listened to a whole story. Like it was true. I thought I was helping. Like I was, I just didn't, on principle, I wasn't listening. It wasn't even like a mistake every time. Right. Right. I think a lot of women do this though. I don't think you're alone in that. I'm not alone. alone. I've heard I'm not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we process very differently. It's so interesting. Yeah. Like I've come to understand a lot more about the differences between us, but mm-hmm. suffice to say in that moment, I was actually sorry for the first time, maybe ever in my life to anyone for my selfishness. And certainly my first time being sorry to him for forsaking him, for not getting to know him, for not being interested in how his mind works and who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. It does. It's very interesting. I mean, I think a lot of this comes from our, you know, learning as a child, how to be in the world and, you know, we soak up certain aspects of it. Like that looks like a good characteristic. So does that one. And then we don't realize on an unconscious level, well, we're also soaking up other things as well. We're watching the interaction between our parents. We're watching the interaction between other adults. And so we're constantly picking up this information. And I think our society, you know, it's kind of a caricature of our society. It's a generalization of how women are, right? We're always interrupting. We're always saying this. We're always telling people what to do. It's kind of funny. And, and interestingly enough, the man doesn't need a lot of listening, right? Like it just needs occasional zip it, right? Yeah. And which is what I, what I found out was, so I made him a promise in that moment. Again, action, right? We always do heart, head, body, right? Always bring it home to action. Mm-hmm. So I made him the promise right then and there, no more interrupting. Um, I actually promised a minute of a blowjob for every interruption to put my mouth to good use and to rekindle our sex life. And to this day, I do a chore of his if I interrupt because blowjobs are now no longer um, used as a consequence. But um, I I promised him to change my behavior because I, again, but like what you said, in, I intrinsically finally wanted to, right. having come to understand the impact and the real possibility that I could change. I mm-hmm. promised him that I would change. And I put my money where my mouth was by like, and if I fail, I'll do this in return to, to get me back on track quickly. No feeling bad. No, oh my God, I'm not capable. No blaming you. Just like, I'm going to be in the game to win, to be who I want to be. And if I fail, I'm going to pay this consequence. 
So and this though, what about your husband and his, his part? Because it takes two to tango. It doesn't take just right. one. <laughs> Don't you know it? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, it was a fascinating moment when I apologized and meant it and he could tell I meant it. And that I was having like a shift in consciousness, yeah. <laughs> you know, from yep. selfishness to team player, you know, like philosophically, um, you could see his whole life flash before his face too. Like, oh, I'm not going to be her victim anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change too. Right. You could see it was such a cool, like you, people don't realize if you change, they're going to change. Like there's no way. Well, they're going to change or it's going to end. So one or the other. Exactly. So he wanted to stay. So he believed my sorry. He felt it in his heart and he was like, oh, okay. Then, then I will not be, you know then I have no right to keep my mouth shut. I have no right to withhold from you. I have no right to be scared of you. I have no right to act like a nimrod around you. And he started to change and he started to talk. And I started to listen. And the more I started to listen, the more he would talk. And the more he would talk, the more interesting it would be to me, actually. He puts the interesting stuff way later. I like the point right at the beginning. He puts it way later. He's, his dad's a minister. He, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 uh, what do you call it? Like the, the parable and the, the moral of the story comes at the very end. Yeah. He's got a very theatrical way of telling stories. I have no patience. I'm a Jewish girl from New York. I want the point at the beginning. Right. Um, so anyway, so he would talk more. I would listen more. I would be more interested. He would feel better about talking. Um, and that intimacy that I always wanted was thus born. And don't hear hours and hours, right? These were, you know, 10, 15 minute conversations. This is what, right. He didn't have a million things to say. If you actually listen, you know, it, it, it goes pretty quickly. <laughs> right, right. That's um, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's awesome that you guys both decided, yeah, I want change. And then you went for it. Yeah. So, um, you know, in your work that you do now, what would you say in terms of the kind of people that you work with and what are really the issues that you look at when you work with people? We are working with people who are ready to make a change. Maybe who have tried things before um, or struggled a bunch. And now they're like, okay, I'm willing to admit where I'm at currently. I'm willing to admit what I want and I'm willing to change my mind about something and be argued with. And I'm willing to take actions and be held to account for that. That you have to want that. You have to think that sounds groovy to participate in the handle method and get and get the goods from it. Um, you need to be mentally stable and well enough. You need to be able to listen and write, you know, because we do most of our work through a digital format where you listen and write um, in interview life. Um, and mostly people are coming with the typically the usual pain points of they don't feel great in their bodies, they don't feel great in their love lives, either dating or in relationships. And they don't love their careers or their, what they're doing with their day, you know, and then obviously all the other areas as well, but those are usually the biggest pain points people come with. That's interesting. I mean, I had interviewed, um, Lori Handler, right? The, yes. Lauren, Lauren. Yeah. Lauren Handel. I'm trying to remember like, I did this like a couple of years ago. Um, yeah. It was a while ago. Yeah, it was a while ago. <laughs> it was a long time. I was going to say, I'm yeah. horrible with names. Uh, you know, and I, and I live those things because that's just all part of who I am anyway. Um, okay. And so for you, what is it, you know, before we wrap up, what is it that's so exciting about doing this in your own life? You know, like, okay, I'm doing this work 
And, you know, what is it that you get off on? What is it that makes you feel like I want to get up every day and do this? I love, I mean, I love that we have an answer for everything and that if we don't, we're going to come up with one. So it's like, I I feel very held by this methodology because it's never failed me in 16 years across all areas and all my Michigas, as we say in Yiddish, all my, all my stuff. Yes. Um, but I would say the main through line that is special about it is the emphasis on telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Like my bosses always want to know whatever dark shit I'm thinking. They always want to know what I lied about. They all, and it is always, yay. I am never in trouble for telling the truth. That's and that's great. amazing. It's amazing. So it just means like the more I can be a human which is what I'm trying to do for everyone else. Like show people. That's why I have taboo Tuesdays. Like right. show you the dirty. So nobody has to hide it because if you hide it, it's not going to get better. Yeah, And that's the culture in my work too. Right. So I get to live that. I think that's great. I mean, cause I wasn't sure. Cause some of the things you said sounded rather punishing. Like I'm going to punish myself if I don't do this or, you know, it's sort of like a, if you do this wrong, so you got the reward and punishment thing going on. So Um, And, you know, human beings are motivated by reward and punishment. Um, So I was just curious, you know, where that came from and how much of that is in what you do. Consequences are a big part of what we do, but we really, really try to be careful that it not be a punishment. Like giving my husband a blowjob is not a punishment. It's annoying to me, but it's not a punishment. (laughs) A punishment would be like, um, you know. I'm trying to even think of what a punishment, like losing my sugar is not a punishment. Having to do hundred jumping jacks is not a punishment. Spanking a child is a punishment. Uh, isolating somebody is a punishment, right? It, those are punishments. They are meant to make you feel less than they're meant to make you feel bad. Right. They're, meant, they're meant to make you feel bad and less than these consequences are, are not that they are much like you would do a consequence with a child. You have a choice child. You may either set the table by six o'clock or you may lose your videos tomorrow. That is your choice. You are empowered to make that choice. And you've got this kid. Like you're going to be independent. You're going to figure it out. You're going to organize around setting the table so you don't lose your videos tomorrow. And if you lose your videos, not the end of the world. Right. You can write a book, right? You know, like right. not the end of the world. So I make sure I still to this day love my consequences for like if I don't show up to dinner on time with my kids, I owe them 20 bucks that is annoying to me. It is not punishing. It is annoying. It is so annoying that I am never late to dinner. (laughs) Okay. And Uh, I could give you many examples, but I do not let my clients, I literally do not. I literally promise to never let my clients do a punishing um, consequence, right? A cold shower is annoying to me. It is not a punishment. It's actually good for me. Right. Oh yeah. So it's very important that your consequences not be punishments. Yeah. Same for your kids. Like I want the consequences to annoy your children, not punish them because punishments don't, they work temporarily because yeah. they make you scared or hate yourself, but they don't work long-term psychologically. Well, they give you a lot of shame is what they yeah. do. And then you spend a lifetime trying to get over the shame for sure. Yeah. So I don't want to add to that. Right. I really don't. Right. Um, and so what would you say to anybody listening, you know, that's interested in either learning more about you, your programs, working with you, what would you say to them? Yeah, I'd say first go to the free quiz because at no barrier to entry there, total, total fun. It's like a Cosmo quiz. 
it'll be in the show notes and you literally will just go in and do that assessment of the 12 areas. It's that like gateway aha moment that I had. We now offer to anybody to have, and you don't even have to do the whole assignment. You just do the quiz. Like it's a shorthand of the whole assignment. Um, That's great. Inner you life is of course great. That's the whole digital program. It happens to actually be on sale right now, but I don't know when this is actually going live. Um, Why? Neither do you. Okay, great. So, but inner you, inner you life will always be available to you. And you'll, you know, you'll find out more about that. If you do the quiz, um, it's a beautiful program. And if you want to follow me personally, it's Lori Gerber underscore coach, L-A-U-R-I-E-G-E-R-B-E-R, like the baby food underscore coach, C-O-A-C-H. And I put free content up all the time and interact with people and that's on my Instagram, Instagram, by the way, on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, that's good for people to know. And so what would be any parting tips, parting, you know, words of wisdom that you have for anybody that's listening? I think I'll end with a cliche that everyone knows, but I cannot be said enough, which is that the truth will set you free. And we really think it won't. We really think it's going to get us in trouble, lose us love. But the truth is that if we are not being true to ourselves, if we are not telling the truth, we're never going to be loved because we will not be there to be loved, right? The real us will not be there to be loved. So it's a quite an irony of how we try to get people to see us in a particular way versus really focus on what's true for you. What's right. true for you. What's true for you. What's true for you. Do not try to do what I did. Do not try to do what Tracy does. Figure out what is true for you. Right. I think that's great. Absolutely. If we had more of that, we would probably have a lot more happy people in our society. Yeah. 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 Happy people, happy parents, happy children, happy, right. happy world. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, but we have some, we have some work to do to undo our culture so far <laughs> as humans. We, we, we do. We have a little tiny bit of work. Yes. We have a little tiny bit of work, but luckily we have 24 <laughs> hours every single day to do it. Well, if everybody helped themselves, then it would change things on a, yes. on a bigger level. So that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't just be one bite of pizza. You'd basically be affecting the whole pizza. So anyways, Lori, I'm really happy that you've joined me today. I think you have, you know, shared some nuggets and your journey. And I feel like people will really resonate with some of the things, all of the things, everything you said. So um, anyways, you guys, if you want to get a hold of Lori, you know how to find her on Instagram and then uh, you can take the quiz and you can basically go from there and maybe even join the program. So anyways, once again, thank you for coming and being here with me today. Thanks, Tracy. You are welcome. And anybody uh, listening, come on back next time I do moving on, but uh, keep going, keep moving, keep shaking, and I will see you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye. For more information about Tracy and her programs and to set up a discovery session, email happiness at tracycrossley.com. That's happiness at tracycrossley.com or go to the website for more information. And thank you for tuning in to Moving On.